And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming to Civilized Barking Browns in the Playoffs Edition. We're about 60 to 90 minutes uh, in the aftermath of a wild, too close for comfort, closer than it should have been. But you know what? At least for right now, we're not looking back. Browns beat the Steelers in a game they had to have. Um, they get it done, and we'll run it back next week. They have to play the Varsity Steelers next week in Heinz Field. As we record this again, we're still only not even 90 minutes after the game. The 4 o'clock games are still going on, so there is no bracket. But we know Browns are playing Steelers. And Jason, everyone listening, 18-year playoff drought has come to an end. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It was ugly. It was a lot harder than it should have been, but that's just the Cleveland way at this point. I had a buddy texting me like, you know, if it wasn't for that Raiders game, none of this would matter. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just not the Cleveland way. The Cleveland way is to make it as ass backwards and difficult on yourself as possible. And and they did it, but by God, they did it. So, Jason, so 16 Sundays or the occasional Monday or Thursday now, we, we have done this. Um, and all year long, I've been singing the praises of, of Kevin Stefanski. I just think he's done a great job. And, you know, the circumstances have been less than ideal to him, to obviously to all involved. Um, there were about three times today, if I wouldn't have been in the press box, I would have been screaming, what in the hell are you doing? Yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, hey, th- these games are close. You mentioned it. It was never designed to be easy. It was never going to be. Um, now, the, the one specific sequence I'm referencing here, folks, is, is the fourth quarter, middle of the fourth quarter drive when the Browns – take the sack on third down, and then go for it on fourth instead of running Nick Chubb. Um, the Steelers during that sequence only had two defensive regulars on the field. You know, full-time guys that, that normally would be out there or will be out there, assuming everyone is available and eligible next week. Um, so that's maddening. But they survived it. Um, Baker Mayfield ran. <laughs> you know, obviously Chubb's has, Chubb has the big run early. But it's Baker's runs that seal it. Um, it's about finding a way, Jason. And I knew this wasn't going to be easy. I mean, the Steelers have a foundation. They still got four sacks with T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward left at home, right? Um, Mayfield really on the big run is, you know, starts out making a good read, then is running for his life, gets a nice block. Like, it's just find a way. Um, I would have made that way more Nick Chubb today. I would have made that way more buttoned up and less five wide in the fourth quarter. Um, so, again, the whole theme of this whole thing is you exhale and you move on and you get a chance to do it again next week. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's celebrate. They're in the playoffs. So let's not, you know, I, I, I think there's time this week to go more into the what the hell were you thinking. But, but what the hell were they thinking? I, Nick Chubb, I mean, last week 
you know, they fall behind early to the Jets, and I tweeted this, that, you know, everyone's saying, well, it is because they're behind. There's no good reason for Nick Chubb to carry the ball 11 times like he did last week. He had 14 today. When you had the lead most of the day, how I don't understand why they are getting away from what they do best. And it's happened two weeks in a row, and I hope it doesn't happen next week. And like I said, I don't want to make this too much of a of a storm cloud pee on their parade type thing because they made the playoffs. It's it's win in, win in advance. That's basically what they had to do today. Their playoffs started today. Baker said that already. But I don't understand how you could only give the ball to Nick Chubb 14 times in a game and be okay with that. You know, it, it, this is two weeks in a row where, you know, I, I think the offensive minds, and I understand it's been a disjointed two weeks. They haven't had a lot of practice time. The facility's been closed while it's been open. I get all of that. But Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning, whenever these guys get together to really start to install the game plan, I hope somebody brings up, hey, look at Nick's numbers the last two weeks and look at his touches. That's something we have to address going into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it is, okay, you won. You survived. Part of it is the Steelers know you. And, and there are certainly going to be no secrets next week because if there were three or four today, they're they're out the window, right? Yep. Um, they, they would prefer that you pass. They would. They're, they're going to do things that make you say, "We, you know, what we see here is the pass," and, and that's what Stefanski's done all year. Is he's taken what's there and he stayed on the attack. Um, but the Browns' blueprint all year, Jason, going back to Week Two, because Week One just never existed. Get the lead in the fourth quarter. Use both backs and pound it straight ahead. Right. Yep. And, and I do have a hard time believing that with Cameron Hayward and T.J. Watt and others either not here or not in the game at the time, that they couldn't have had some success doing that because they were protecting a lead. They were protecting an eight-point lead. So you just grind it out, get a little at a time, kick the field goal, and go up 11, and then you don't have that drama at the end, right? Um, you know, maybe it was supposed to be that, right? And maybe for Baker's confidence, um, him needing to make a few plays, even though the most memorable ones today were, were with his feet instead of his arm. Um the Browns got their own line back. That's the bread and butter of their team. You know, they got their receivers back. Jarvis Landry had another big game. He is absolutely Mr. Reliable. And then the COVID testing and the lack of practice and all that you mentioned, six guys out. Um, you only have three corners to start with on the team, and two of them were out, right? So they start a guy named Robert Jackson who's hung around for three administrations uh, as a special teams player, a guy that's called up from the practice squad, shuffled down. He had played six defensive snaps all year. He started today. Uh, Jeez. The Steelers went right after him, and, and uh, you know, to to an extent, they had an advantage. You know, here's the deal with the Steelers: um, they're they're go they can't run the ball at all. It's pathetic. So everything is the short, quick passes, which you know puts you in space, which the Browns aren't really good at, and then it sets up those deep shots. Well, when it's Ben and not Mason Rudolph next week, those deep shots are not only more frequent, but they're more dangerous much more dangerous and even if you get Denzel Ward back and again in in this COVID testing stuff we we don't know and we've seen Miles come back and not be the same uh even if you get him back you have major matchup problems with the Chase Claypools and Juju Smith-Schusters of the world even if you put Denzel Ward on, on one guy I'm not trying to be doom and gloom I'm just saying the Browns have to play much better next week to even have a chance let alone to win the game yeah and you know they all said it today all, all the players who spoke today, you know, Baker really drove this home that we're not satisfied. We're not happy just being here. You know, there's still work to be done. And Kevin Stefanski said that. 
And that's true. And that's fine that they're saying that. They should be saying that. But can we just say that just making the playoffs is an accomplishment and that's the next step in this progression? Everything's a progression. Last year was falling down the stairs drunk. This year was dusting yourself off and climbing up the stairs again. And it's all step after step after step after step. This is the next step. Making the playoffs is the next step. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't care if they lose next week. Of course you want them to win. But just reaching this point is the next step. And if they win, all the better. But just getting here is good enough for a team that for the last 18 years just throws up on themselves most every Sunday. So they can say that it's not good enough and, and we can we can look at the X's and O's of next week and, and we should. And I hope it's a competitive game. And, you know, you hope that the Browns play well, of course. But just the fact that they were able to end this, now it feels like they're a functioning NFL franchise. Now they're like everybody else in the room. It's what we've said all year. They aren't Harry and Lloyd coming in anymore, swinging canes at the black tie affair, dressed in orange and blue tuxedos. They belong in the room. They belong in the conversation. Welcome back to the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. You are now high-functioning adults just like everybody else. Well, having adults in the room is a big part of that, and yes. And from here, standards will change and expectations will change, right? Absolutely, yes. And a lot will change. But all that being said, and you're 100% right, like it had to start somewhere, and there is – a little bit to even a lot bit of, okay, go ahead and celebrate. And you're right, they might win. I, I've been saying for five weeks, Jason, that I won't be surprised if they get in a playoff game and they run for 200 yards and they score 40 points. I will also yeah. not be surprised if they get completely bombed on and give up 40 points in the first three quarters because the defense is that bad, capable yep. of being that bad, right? Yep. Um, but before things got really weird in the last eight days with with the COVID stuff and who's in and who's out and – you know, lost to the Jets, but the door was still open and the Steelers didn't have anything to play for. This was a successful season. There is no doubt about it. And if you're listening right now or even a few days from now and you follow this team, even at a casual level, you know that. You're not going to agree with everything we've said or, or Stefanski does or Joe Woods does or all that, but you know that because you know the history. You know how good this division is. You know how well this team has played for much of the year. And there's weird bounces and fortunate scheduling and close games. You know, if if the guy back in Cincinnati touches Rashard Higgins with 40 seconds left, the Browns lose that game. And I don't know, do they finish 8-8? Eight and eight? Right? Like, yeah. if they don't play Dwayne Haskins in week three, do they roll and get the confidence from that? I don't know. Um, oh, it, it, my point is it's always that. And my point is the Browns have arrived. And if the Browns get beat 41 to 17 next week, or if that's the score at halftime, the Browns will still have arrived. It's legitimized by making the playoffs. Everybody that wanted to argue this number and um, what is it? DVOA said we're the 22nd best team in the league. Well, that's not a playoff tiebreaker. The Browns are in the playoffs. The Browns have won. They've developed an identity by doing so. They've got some really good players and a few great ones. Um, We don't know what the future holds on many counts. We don't even know what day they play in Pittsburgh next week right but feel good enjoy that part of it and we'll see um i think the offseason starts next weekend and we'll have all sorts of time to break down what are the urgent decisions what are the gray area things things like that but the 2020 cleveland browns overcame a lot they made tremendous strides both in a vacuum and in the big picture and they got to the postseason and you know I, i just 
I'm not going to say I didn't think it was possible. I liked the talent on this team. I liked Stefanski, what he was doing from the jump. But you mentioned that Raiders game. Your buddy talking about that Raiders game, Jason. That That's the exact midpoint, and here we are at the end, right? Sitting here at 5.30 in the afternoon. But I told you then, this t- Browns are going to rally. They're going to be 11-5, and five, and they're going to play in Pittsburgh in week one. I'm not sure you'd have fully bought that. Probably not. They played like crap that day right. going into the off week. Uh, but, yeah, full credit to them for turning around. And, and in terms of next week, you know, I kind of I was, I was watching the, the game today, thinking about the Ohio State-Clemson game, only from the sense of there's a lot of people that kind of wrote off Ohio State going into that game. And and I I knew they could score. Now I want to turn this into a Buckeye podcast, but I knew they could score on Clemson a lot. I didn't think they could stop Clemson. And, and I kind of look at a Brown-Steelers playoff matchup kind of the same way. I think the Browns can score on the Steelers, even more so than they did today. I, like I said, I don't know why they got away from, from the run the way that they did. I don't know if the Browns can stop the big plays from Pittsburgh. If you make Pittsburgh drive the ball 10, 11, 12 plays down the field, I, I don't think they can do it. But they can hit Claypool over the top for one big play. And, and, and they're rolling. And, and the secondary is certainly vulnerable to that. This Brown secondary is vulnerable to that happening. So I kind of look at it the same. I think, I think the Browns can score. I just don't know that, that they have the manpower in the secondary to stop the home run plays. But I'm wondering, from, from you're the X's and O's expert on this, who, is there an advantage one way or the other? Or how difficult is it to have to come back and, and play this team again from the sense that the Browns had to fight for their lives this week and it didn't really matter to the Steelers. So did the Browns give away more? I know you're saying by this point, these teams know each other so well year in and year out. There are no secrets, but is there any sort of advantage one way or the other that you have to line up and do this again next week? Um, advantage. No, I think it's negated by, by having done it, you know, um, I could buy the Steelers having an advantage because they're playoff seasoned, right? They're an old, they're an older team and they've been together longer. Um, they they just trust in their systems and, and what they do, which is why I think they handled this situation a lot better than than most teams would today, right? Where they're they're plugging in practice squad guys and guys that rarely play, and and they're still doing it. Now they still have Mick Fitzpatrick out there, who's as good as they come. Sean Davis. The other safety, who's a high-round pick. I mean, the way I see it, Jason, their defensive identity is the pressure. That's been a problem for the Browns in the past, right? And their defensive identity in terms of how it relates to taking away certain things from this Browns offense or daring the Browns quarterback to do certain things, I think that's an advantage. How do the Browns negate that by running it early, consistently, by use like just doing what they've done all year long to use that run to set up passing lanes to hit some freebies. Tight ends will be open all day against the Pittsburgh Steelers if you do it right, you know, and, and they'll have a chance for some big big plays um, if you can get that run game going. So, you know, I, I think the Browns have to buckle up and try to say we're going to win a 21-17, 24-21 game. They're going to need to force some turnovers to do that. They're obviously going to need to tackle well, but in terms of like tactical advantages, I just think. Steelers overall being ahead in their program, sure. Otherwise, it's, you know, they still have to block Miles Garrett, right? Their guys still have to catch the ball. They have to get him open. That's a big part of their offense because they can't run the ball is making sure that, that they're securing the ball before they try to take off on long runs. 
And the Browns just have to say, you know what, if, if we can run it and we can force a couple turnovers, we can win, and, and we know how that'll look. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I can't let this go. It's I, I can't. I want to let it go. I can't let it go. Where the hell is Nick Chubb in the fourth quarter? And why do you think – we talked about this a few weeks ago, and you thought that maybe they were not so much hiding Nick but trying to save him some some pounding because of the knee. Why do you think it? Listen, it's been successful. They've had a successful season. It's a formula that's worked. But why is it so hard for it seems most weeks Nick Chubb to touch the ball in the fourth quarter? It seems to be the Kareem Hunt show in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah. So, so last Saturday night when all this madness came down with the however many guys were going to be out for the contact tracing, right? Um, when that when that all came down. I went and looked at the numbers and I saw that Chubb had only been at 20 carries twice all year long. Right. So I'm like, this is interesting and he's fresh and he's ready. And so today they were alternating them early, earlier than normal. I thought. And in the third quarter, when he wasn't out there, I think a second straight drive, I really thought there was an injury of some sort because it seemed like it had turned from a rotation or a script, as you mentioned, into they're just doing other things. They're just playing Kareem. And then they get the ball back at the end, and he gets the first carry, which is what it should have been all along, right? And so all these other games that come to mind, the first Cincinnati game, the Washington game, um, the Jacksonville game just four weeks ago, right, where they pass all day, and then in the fourth quarter, they, they just bury them with Chubb and a little bit of Hunt. Like, that's what this should have looked like. And it didn't. So it is baffling. Um, it really is. Now, him being back out there for that final drive tells me that he's okay. But there's a question there as to why not. And even the greatest coaches, and I think Stefanski's damn good, I keep reinforcing that, get too cute or get caught up wanting to do something because they're being told that from upstairs or because they saw it work one time. 
But like that was an awfully long stretch where he went with one touch or no touches and where Kareem was the only back in the game. So I do have some concern about what the Tuesday or Wednesday injury report would look like or what he might say on Monday, you know, once the bracket is set and we hear from him publicly again, because that's just weird. I've, I found the, the Baker carry on third. It was third and one, but let's call it, it was third and two. I found that wildly odd. Yeah. When you have those two guys and you're putting the ball in Baker's hands, who let's be honest, has had fumbling issues this year, holding on to the ball when he, when he's on the run. I, I found that horribly strange and wildly odd. And, hey, he got it, and they convert, and you move on, and you go. But when you have those two guys behind you, that was another call to me that was really curious. I, I would. It's an interesting point. It's, it's a good point. And the only reason I might turn it down from 90% odd, as you mentioned, to 60 or 70% would yeah. be that in this case, right, he, he had run, and you know Chubb had run to start the drive. And Chubb had had success throughout the day. And these teams know this is quarter eight of them playing each other, right? So right. I'm guessing, and again, we're not watching the film here. We're talking an hour after the game. I'm guessing that in that formation, as soon as the Steelers saw it, they were expecting Chubb to follow the tackle right back the certain way. And that the design run there was basically because they knew exactly what defense they were going to get. So it is still strange not to give it to 24. I mean, Baker's an athletic dude, and, and he was he's a good runner today, but that's not his game whatsoever, right? Yeah. Um, like, that that to me is either, you're right, something is up, or that's just a flat out what they they knew exactly what defense they were going to get, and that's how they chose to attack it. Still strange either way. What what about not not kicking the field goal with Cody Parkey late in the game and going for it on fourth and seven? Well, you make of that? Where, where they ended up on fourth down, they couldn't kick the field goal. I mean, Cody Parkey just does 52, not have that. 52, I think it would have yeah, been. Yeah, so to me, the, the mess up there is on third down, not going power, running it, and just either setting up fourth down to run again or making it a field goal from 48. Um, the sack is what you can't take there. And, you know, again, I'd have to go back and see the play to know whether the quarter – although the quarterback should know that. You know, I don't know exactly what happened on that play right now. But that, to me, is on third and six or third and seven. Um, and I don't even think it was that much. I think it was third and four or five, right? You run the ball and set up fourth and manageable or fourth and definitely kick the field goal. That that was a tactical error there to me. How do you think the Steelers leave here today? Do Happy they care? as hell. Happy as hell. Yeah. They, yeah. They get That's kind of what rounds. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they got some good work out of their guys. Um, they obviously have concern because Joe Hayden t- tested positive and two other guys – neither of whom play his position were immediately placed on the list. So is that a locker room thing? Is that a hanging out outside the, the facility thing? You know, I don't know um, what that answer is or, or if that's out there. So they have some of those concerns, but otherwise, you know, they have 10 guys, 30 year older, Jason, three starters on each line. Um, the left tackle had to play today because they don't have another one. He shouldn't be able to block miles Garrett. He shouldn't be able to, but when they get pouncy, they're a different offense. And then obviously when they have Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt, they're a completely different defense. So I think the Steelers feel like their corners got good work. Um, they're younger or their backup linebackers and, and defensive linemen got some good work. And they, they feel like, again, they, they know how to attack this Browns offense. They know where their strengths relate. And if they just don't turn it over 
and you know be, be patient with with pushing the ball down the field. Um, they'll feel really good about about their chances to score a lot next week. Yeah, I don't know how they. I don't know how Mike Tomlin feels about the Colts, but I, you know, he'll never admit this publicly. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are looking over at Cleveland, going, "It's it's the Browns. It's still the Browns. We own the Browns. Go ahead. Like this is the matchup that we wanted. We want them in the first round. And and today would, if if I'm looking at it from the Steelers' perspective, it only reinforces the belief that, hey, man, this game didn't mean anything to us. We played all our backups, and we still almost beat you. Yeah, I, you know. To an extent, sure, they'll never say that. But of I course think they, they look at they were eleven and zero, and then they just they hit a wall, right? They yeah. had some really weird circumstances, some rescheduled games, and all of a sudden, Deontay Johnson, who's this emerging star in the league, like couldn't catch a pass, right? Um, they had to shuffle their offensive line a little bit, and they lost Vince Williams, a veteran linebacker, for a game, and all of a sudden, like communication was just off on both ways, so. I, th- I think more than the Browns, although they obviously know that they can beat them and feel good about the matchup, they say, okay, you know, whatever they did in the second half of that Colts game, it worked. They got the young guys some work. They got the other guys some rest that they needed. And, and they are a team, an organization that's used to January, and they feel good about it here. So, you know, obviously the Browns feel great about being in. I think from a talent standpoint, at most spots, the Browns feel good about their chances. And, again, I, I they, they have to – be more committed to it and let the run drive everything. They need Miles Garrett. Um, you know, really the downer of the day is Olivier Vernon leaves on the cart with about 10 minutes yeah. left in this game. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. So the Browns are just not – they're not deep anywhere defensively and certainly there. Um, the way you beat the Steelers is to get to Ben, to make him try to move, to make him second guess what he's seeing because he's seen it all because he trusts his receivers. So um, – I think it was Juju that catches the last touchdown, right? Right over the middle. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, if the Steelers could run that play 65 times next week, they would. So, <laughs> so the Browns have got to do something scheme wise and personnel wise. They hope they'll have BJ Goodson back. They hope they'll have Denzel Ward back. Um, again, we just, you know, we just don't know on the other guys. And then obviously, you know, I, I don't know if the technical terms a breakout or not, but the Browns had COVID in their building. They had two ke- two coaches test positive. They had three coaches have to miss through the protocols. They had six players not be around the team today, whether they're a close contact or whether they have it, right? They were just activating starters yesterday off the COVID list after five days away. So what does tomorrow morning bring? What does Tuesday bring? And then the other thing too, Denzel Ward went on the list on Thursday. And you know, I, I, we don't have confirmation that it's a positive. It sure seems like it is. And we don't, we only report it if it's confirmed positive by the player or the team, but that's 10 days. So if the game is on Saturday, I don't think he'd be able to play. I think he's looking at a situation where his best case scenario. And again, I would love to eat my words on this and maybe I will, because this is all new and it's all strange and it's all supposed to be hush hush like the drug testing used to be. But the way I understand it, is 10 days would be Sunday for Denzel Ward and not for Saturday. Yeah, so Thursday is day one, basically. Going on the list counts as day one, correct? Yeah, your first symptom is day one, yes. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm, count, I'm, I'm counting on a podcast. But Saturday is, is day 10, out for Saturday, ready to go for Sunday. That's the way we understand it, yes. If and- he's... I mean, Miles missed two weeks with it. You know, obviously everyone reacts differently to this, and who knows what kind of condition 
he may not, he may still be ill by next weekend if he is sick. And, and, you know, we, we know how much Miles struggled with his wind when he first came back. Now imagine being a cornerback and running 40, 50 yards on every play and trying to do it. So even if he's back, I just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, you hope for a good week of practice. You hope for multiple days of practice this week. But Zach, I think you've done a really good job all year of illustrating this every morning team personnel wake up and hold their breath and wait for the report today of who's in and who's out and who are we missing and how long are they out? Injuries are part of the NFL, but this is different. This is totally different. And this is something that no NFL team really knows what to, you know, and injuries typically only happen in about a two or three hour window during practice. And, and you see what's happening in front of you and you can gear practice and structure practice during the week uh, to try and limit that or eliminate them entirely. But there, there is nothing, there is no limiting this in, in what we're talking about with COVID. And you never know when it's going to come, when the positive test is going to come, who it's going to impact and how many it's going to impact. And it's just, it could really be a game changer from here on out now in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's obviously been something they've battled all year. The NFL has battled all year. I wrote about it last week. I don't like some of the, some of the things that have gone on and some of the decisions that have been made, but nothing stops the NFL and the NFL can, will just roll right along. But boy, this could really be, this could really be a game changer if, if the, if I don't want to say the right people, but if a select few people are missing games, this could be a wild NFL postseason. Listen, I don't care if it's a guy that just played special teams today. Um, if the Browns have a positive this week, that affects them because they're just, they're thin to that point. Yeah. And something I didn't think of to say earlier, Jason, um, you, you know, the offense had a nice start today and then it struggled for about two full quarters of game time. Bill Callahan is a key part here, and both he and yep. his top assistant O line coach were not there. So, um, again, we're we're not allowed around these guys. We're we're isolated too. But you got to believe that Bill Callahan is a big part as the game goes on of reading adjustments, absolutely talking to his guys. What do we see? Where do we got to go? You know. Um, and again, like if it's a, if it's ten days for him, then that's next week too because that just came about Saturday morning. So yeah. we, we don't loss. know. We don't know. It's crazy. Um, it's strange. But let, let me sum it up by saying that. I bring up week one in Baltimore. It was a long time ago, and I was not one bit surprised by what I saw that day. The Browns just weren't prepared. The Ravens were 14-2 and two last year, and the Browns not having an offseason and firing everybody again, they just weren't prepared. I said it doesn't mean the season is over. I certainly didn't think it would – I meant the Browns could still go 11-5. and five. So kudos to Stefanski, to Mayfield, to Andrew Barry, to Joel Batonio, to all those guys, um, Bill Callahan, and all the offensive linemen. Miles in the six games that he single-handedly at times changed. Denzel, who had an all-pro year, and really everybody. Um, you know, the Browns had more professionalism, more maturity, more experience, more talent this year. They kind of, They kept it together. They really navigated things well. And again, today got hairier than it should have, but they danced on. I didn't think it was possible. My, I, I'm not wearing a hat, but my hat is off to all of those who really dug deep and persevered and maintained the poise and all the other things. I could keep going on naming reasons why why they're 11 and 5 and we're sitting here talking about a playoff game rather than a coaching search. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we're 25 minutes of this podcast, and we have not mentioned Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph, which is pretty remarkable. And our super producer Marissa just sent a just sent us an Instagram of of a pic of Rudolph posted on his Instagram a picture of him and Miles after the game saying onward and upward. That's something I didn't think we would see last year. Uh, Miles ran over at the end of the game, caught Rudolph at the tunnel, and the two exchanged pleasantries. And Miles told him, you know, good game. Well done today uh, on on his effort in bringing them back. I I don't know. I don't want to rehash old wounds. I don't want to dig all this up again. But it was it was pretty shocking to me to see the season come down to Brown Steelers and Miles Garrett against Mason Rudolph, and and Garrett put a lick on him early on in the game, and it just seemed like business as usual. And good on them. I you know I don't think we'll ever really know exactly what happened on the field last year. Um, but I was surprised at how it ended. I was surprised at, I mean, right there is Mason making peace with it. It seems, uh, on his Instagram account. And and now we move forward. Marissa, can we get some sappy music over this portion of the show? (laughs) Some real hands across America type shit. (laughs) We are the world. (laughs) No, I I agree, Jason. It's time to move on. Um, and and to me, that really wasn't a storyline. You know, Mason had a lot to play for because, the Steelers have seen he's been around a few years, right? And they've seen that he's not good enough. Um, I knew he wasn't good enough. He showed some resilience by coming back and, and finding those guys later in the game. Um, but yeah, whether it was him or anyone else, the Browns need Miles Garrett to make plays. The Browns need Miles Garrett to get as healthy and as up to speed as he can for next week. And the Steelers need to block him, and we'll see. So, um, we're waiting on Olivier Vernon. Peoples Jones did have a concussion, concussion so I guess yeah. that makes him. I, I can't say unlikely, but a lot of times, you know, guys guys pass the protocol at different times. But um, the Browns now enter a mode where they're hopeful that they can have practice, where they're hopeful that everyone will be healthy from game injuries and nicks and bruises of sixteen games, um, you know, to the continued COVID testing. And there won't be a lot of secrets, so it'll come down to execution. Um, this game is always comes down to blocking and tackling. The Browns are really good at blocking. The Steelers are really good at tackling. We will see who <laughs> executes better next week, um, and we will see if the Browns can dance on. For right now, though, crack yourself a drink and enjoy it. The longest playoff drought in the NFL is over. The Cleveland Browns have snapped it onward and upward, as Mason Rudolph said, to bigger and better things. Talk to you soon.